Good morning. morning. Jen sends her greetings. Um, she's doing Mother's Day right, I think. Um, we are so last week. Um, I asked people to share what was really encouraging and and sort of life changing about what they've been learning, then what was confusing and frustrating. And I know you think that today I was going to address the confusing and frustrating things but I'm not going to. Uh, we have two weeks left and we're going to next week, um, I think I'm going to give you something that will um, be a nice exercise over the summer to do, th do some things over the summer with. I think that we're not gonna continue this class through the summer. Um, there's just a lot of people out and out for large periods and you probably need a break to infiltrate back into other things in the church and go, wow, there's a whole men's ministry going on downstairs or things like that. Um, so I hope that's okay. We, we scratch our heads a lot and kind of do it. Today, um, I'm going to do something that, um, see, see that on my Bible? 112977 in huge letters. I wrote that on 11-29-77. Were any of you not born yet by 11-29-77? Thank you very much. <laughs> because on 11-29-77, I heard this guy give a brief sermon about something, and I was like, why didn't I know this? Why? Oh my gosh, this has changed. This is just... I mean, so I, I don't write, you know, I write stuff in my Bible, but I wanted that to be there. So I could pick it up and go, oh yeah, right, I remember now. And so today, I'm gonna to share some of that with you. Um, and it is, in this class, we're talking about that verse, kind of our theme verses in Romans 8 that says, if by the Spirit we're putting to death the deeds of the flesh, we will live. And what does that look like? And so we have been <clears throat> doing, talking about that, and then um, talk, talking about um, exercise, we've been doing exercises that connect us with God. Because one of, the, one of the hard things is if by the Spirit, but you go, okay, now who's that exactly? You know, it's like, so if you call your Aunt Rose, she, she'll pick up at the airport and you go, I've never actually met Aunt Rose, or I've, I've heard about Aunt, you know, it's sort of that, so who am I actually meeting at the airport? And so sometimes it's like, okay, maybe my tradition, we always said Holy Spirit, but we're not exactly sure who we were referring to. Maybe our connection with him is, has seemed a little distant or sort of very subtle and sort of through the word sort of a thing. Um, and so we have, been, we have been bringing up scripture, a lot of scripture about what does it mean to walk in the spirit? What does it mean to be filled by the spirit? In Romans 8, again, it says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So what does that look like on Wednesday in a meeting? You know, or what does that look like when you're, uh, you're facing a disobedient children and angry parents and you're going, okay, you know, um, come Holy Spirit. Um, and, and so one of the things that we haven't talked about is, the, is sort of the idea where John says, don't believe every spirit. We haven't, a lot of what we do by, if by the Spirit we're put into death, is what 
what is sometimes called spiritual warfare? Or how do we deal with the demonic if I even believe in the demonic? You know, what, what is that? How, how do I do that in a practical way? How do I bring Holy Spirit into the middle of a temptation? I love what Josh talked about today when he said, um, okay, so guys, pornography, okay. You know, why don't we bring that up? And I love, in fact, I wrote it down. I pulled out my notes, wrote it down. Um, you can't deal with something if you don't name it. The beginning of dealing with it is naming it. But the end of dealing with it is dealing with it, right? And so when we name it, that's, that's a good starter. But if we name it and go, now what? Then we're stuck. What I'm going to do today is to give you an M16. I'm going to, like, put a weapon in your hands that I have used since 77. And when I use it, it is 100% effective in dealing with temptation and trials and, and issues in my life. It, it works wonderfully. And I think it's God's provision. Um, there's a bunch of scriptures, and Jeannie's going to send out a handout to you that has all of this in it and more. It'll take you through the whole summer if you want to look at all the verses and think about them. And there is, um, at that thing... This is me talking in about 1980 about that. And so I'm going to be sharing some of that with you, but if you want to zone out or something's too fast or whatever, you can just go there. It's free. You can listen to it. You can download it. You can do whatever you want with it. So you're going to get a free written version of it with tons of scriptures. There's an audio version. If I had a video version, then you could see. The, but uh, just because I think it's so important, I want to read a few verses for you. And what I want you to do is just see how you feel when you hear these. You are from God, little children, and you've overcome them. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 1 John 3, 8. Um, that was 1 John 4, 4, 3, 8. The one who practices sin is of the devil. The devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the work of the devil. Hebrews 2. Since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself also partook that through his death he might render powerless the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, who have kept you in slavery through fear of death your whole lives. 2 Thessalonians 3. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. 1 John 5. He who is born of God, God keeps him, the evil one does not touch him. Um, these signs shall accompany those who believe, in my name they will cast out demons. Ephesians 6. Um, in addition, take up the shield of faith by which you can extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. Colossians 2, um, I love this one. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us and nailed it to the cross, he has taken out the accuser. He disarmed every rule and authority. He made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Uh, Luke 10, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. Romans 16, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. John 10, I've given them eternal life. No one can snatch them out of my hand. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation, test or trial has overtaken you. That's not common to man. And God will provide the means of escape that you may endure it. So, when you hear all those, you go, well, it sounds like the battle's over. I mean, so, I mean, yeah. What, what troubles you about those verses? Is there anything when you think of all those? Yeah. Okay. Well, they sound very convincing, but uh, 
it leaves me wondering well, how come I haven't experienced to that extent am I not doing my part or something like you're like the perfect straight man I mean that, <laughs> that's but see that that's who else kind of shared some of that feeling it's like a little little pie in the sky I mean it's a little I mean really and and that is exactly the 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 thing I want to address is here here is look that's Three, six, nine, twelve, fourteen verses that all say, heck yeah. And I'm sitting over here going, not sure. And and that so what is what is that difference? That's the thing I want to talk about today. Because this plan and activity of we'll use Satan with quotes around it, which means all, the whole dark world, what however that works, and I don't want to get into theological stuff about that, but just God's pretty clear there are Satan and demons, and they do work to steal, steal kill, and destroy from us. Um, and it happens in a thousand sort of different ways in life. So some of us today are trapped in fears, fears of flying, fears of crowds. If I asked some of you to come up here and speak, or Josh said, would you do communion? You would say, I, I, I think I'm going to get cancer. I can't do it. You know, it's like anything but standing up in front of the church and doing something like that. Um, Fears of relationships, fears of, I'm just, I'm thinking of, of lists of things in my prayer ministry, things I run into all the time, fears of success, um, trapped in anger, anger at parents, anger at a spouse, anger at children, um, anger at authority because authority has mistreated you in some way and now sort of all authority is suspect in some way. I might be trapped in self-abuse, trapped in pornography, addiction, television, food, what is my favorite addiction of the day? Um, maybe my heart has grown cold. Worship seems, I'm like distracted, ready to get on with my day. I, I sit there, but I feel like I'm going through the motions. Um, or maybe even this talk, although you're here, but maybe even this kind of talk, you go, you know, I don't know if it's applicable. I, I mean, I'm here, I like it, but... How, how does it work itself out in my life? So those, those sorts of things come up. Maybe um, in your head somewhere you're, you're listening to a voice. Maybe there's, there's, it might sound like your dad. It might sound like, but like a voice of, of, of failure. You're not going to make it. Uh, or maybe it's, I don't think I love my wife. I, you know, or I, you know what, I, I might, you know, I might be bisexual. I don't know what, you know, I might, or, you know, I, my company's not treating me fairly. There's a way I can get more money. There's, a, there's like this, this thing that plays in our head, and if we, if we ever stop to really look at it, we'd go, what is that? But it sounds enough like us, and it's just, it kind of plays, and, and kind of there it is. When I was a second lieutenant um, in the Army in Germany, I was in uh, dirty, dirty nukes. It was like weird to have a second lieutenant with his finger on the button, but... It's the way it was back then, and so I did all the spook stuff across Europe, and so we had to have armed guards with, with the stuff that we had with us, and um, we were out with the British Army doing something, and, and there was a young guy named Barry, and uh, he had an M16, and he was guarding the stuff, and all of a sudden, a, a shot rings out five feet from me. I turn, and he had shot himself, and I was like, Holy cow. You know, and so you, you just, I'd been in the army in Germany for two weeks. You couldn't be more wet behind the ears. And I'm like, who do we call? Who, what, you know, and just, there is a, and right in the middle of that, God says to me, Satan did this. Just uh, like I almost looked around. It was so 
so shockingly clear. And so over the next um, couple of weeks, I said, Lord, show me what, what drove this man. Because about three days later, another kid came up to me. Say kids, they're probably about my age, but another kid came. I was in charge of him. Another kid came up to me and said, um, we're going to the, the gun range to practice. He said, I can't go to the gun range. I don't want to end up like Barry. And I'm like, okay, two, two other guys slashed their wrists. Another guy cut the soles off his feet to let demons out. And I'm like, okay, this, there's, yeah, there's something, go, you know, there's something going on. And so um, over about the next two months, there was another, one other Christian officer. So we began to pray for our outfit. And over the next six months, um, five more officers came in. They're all new. I'm going to cry. Dang it. Stop it. And everyone was a Christian. And so the seven of us began to pray over. And finally, when we, we felt like we had um, kind of significant gravitas or whatever it was that we were trying to get, I don't know. But, but we marched around and anointed every door in that whole base, our little base, concern that we were on. And it stopped immediately. Boom. Just totally stopped. And I was like, okay, Lord, how does this work? What, what was that? What was that going on? It, 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 you know, I'm, a, I'm an Ivy League engineer, and that, we didn't learn about any of that. You know, was that, that was just not anything that, that um, I was uh, 26. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd been saved. Uh, maybe five years. Um, and Barry was a normal kid. And Barry had no idea that he was in the midst of a war for his life. Zero idea that that was going on. When he got there, so, so I, I got to know um, his parents who came to collect the body. And they said he was a clean-cut kid. He was Kansas City kid, clean-cut. And they said, but his letters and communication became darker. There was no internet at that time. You, you wrote a letter. I mean, that's how you communicated. And he said, they began to get darker and darker, just little by little by little. Um, and so we're going to talk about how that works in our lives um, and, how, and what we do to deal with it. We're going to talk about hand-to-hand -hand combat. Because when we talk about spiritual warfare, sometimes it sounds big. But, it, but in every army, at some point, it gets down to hand-to-hand -hand combat. At some point, somebody is aiming and shooting a gun. You know, we can think of, of distant, but when you're out in guerrilla warfare, which this is, it, it's personal. And, and so we're going to talk about, at the simplest level, when we deal with the demonic, it's about trials and temptation. At a next higher level, we're dealing with presence and influence, something where you go, okay, that's not right. That, that's not right. At a higher level um, than that, we're dealing with outside of ourselves. How do we advance the kingdom into other people's lives, into organizations, into institutions? How do we, how do, we do warfare then? But we're going to pull it back in and talk about the trials, temptation, and present side of it this morning. And I'm going to give you what I learned 11, 29, 77. Um, 
there's a verse, and I, I'm, I'm going to kind of misquote them, but if anybody goes, wait, wait, let me look that up, then please look it up and then say to the class, I was going to have little slips of paper to pass out, and then I thought, how many of us actually bring Bibles anymore? <laughs> I don't know. And I, I didn't want to do a projection because I just want to look you in the eye, plus it was 3 in the morning. Um, 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this, For I am um, concerned... Lest as Satan deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Right? I'm concerned lest. So, how did, so, so if you look at Satan and how he deceived Eve, and you look at Revelation, which Josh is talking about, Revelation says Satan has two tools, accusation and deception, or maybe deception and accusation. You're deceived into believe, deceive means to cause to believe a lie. And so we're deceived into thinking something. And if we knew it was Satan, we, we wouldn't be deceived, but we're deceived into thinking something. Then if we act on it, we're accused of doing something. So, so Eve is sitting there, and all of a sudden, Satan says, hath God really said? You know, and, and, and Satan then creates this alternate reality. And Eve began to believe an alternate reality. So our brains have this amazing capacity to create a reality that may have not that much to do with reality. I was driving with my wife down... Um, um, some road and there was a new development going up and I glanced over and glanced back and I thought this billboard said report all injuries to the main office and I'm like wow and I created so I'm a civil engineer by trade you'd think I wouldn't but I created a whole government organizations that track this and you know some new OSHA thing for construction and offices and and I mean, yeah, bam, just instantaneously out of nothing but that sign. And I'm saying, wow, that sure must be a dangerous work site and blah, blah, blah. And, and Susan goes, Andy, the word was inquiries. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm, you know, and so, so, so I had instantly created something. But see, we do too. And Satan is always after two things about God, God's character and God's word. If he can, if he can just like... Um, today about sovereignty, if, if, if I can make you think that God can't be trusted, if I can make you think that the world is unsafe and you're not okay, and I can make the words seem confusing or too hard to interpret or it's just man, if I can, if I can make the word kind of almost nothing, then I've kind of I've got you. I mean, what do you have left? Because if you can't really trust his character and you, you don't think you can understand his word, then you have nothing to defend yourself when a, when a spiritual being who is smarter than all of us and has dealt with a hundred million of us over centuries and centuries takes us on, or, or one of the demons takes us on, or we're tempted, or we're tested, or tried. We kind of don't have much to go on. And so if he does that, then that's what happens. I had a friend who was at our house, a dear friend of ours, and we had a, this is back in the day, we had a phone list posted on the wall, you know, the wall phone with the long cord, yeah. And so we had this phone list posted, and she wasn't on the list. And, and she was, and you could, it's just like, you know, and you could just see, and I was like, what, what? And, and finally, I could see she was so upset, I said, let's call her Susan. Oh, because that's her name. So I said, I said, Susan, 
what, are you okay? And she goes, she goes, I know this is silly, but I don't see my name among your best friends. And I said, we all know your number. It's like, we don't have to write it down because we know it. And she's like, oh, you know, and see, all of a sudden she had this whole thing about what, and so this whole reality is recreated because there is a place in her that that would hit a target, that that was a weakness that could be exploited, and bam, it was exploited, and that false reality. Second Corinthians 4 says this. It says, if our mind, if, if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled by Satan who has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they may not see the truth in the gospel and so be saved. Okay, so there's a battle going on and the battle is in our minds. That's the battleground. Now Satan is after our heart. He's after our heart, but the doorway to our heart is our mind. What I think about, what I, what I plant in my mind goes down into the heart and it produces seed. I am what my heart is, but what my heart is is what my mind puts into it. What, what is allowed to come into my mind? What goes into my heart then determines who I am. So Satan knows that if he can capture our mind and get us thinking certain things, he can capture us. So 2 Timothy 2.24 talks about overseers, and it says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, able to teach, patient when wronged, if perhaps God will grant repentance to the one who's quarreling with him, and he will be set free from the snare of the devil who has him captured at, to do his will at his bidding. So this is a picture of, of a, a church leader where someone's just at them all the time. And they think, what is wrong with this person? And Paul says, Timothy, it might be Satan. I mean, you wouldn't go, I rebuke you, come out of him in the name of Geo. It's like, whoa, you know, but, but Paul's saying, look, there's a puppet master. This argument wasn't this person's idea only. This person had a propensity for it and it was stoked up. Another one, uh, Ephesians someplace says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil, what? Foothold. And the word is topos, ground. Don't give him ground. And so you say, okay, so someone who, who has let the sun go down on their anger every night for 10 years, they hold this grudge, this root of bitterness grows up, then what do they look like? Bitter, withdrawn. I mean, you respond to pain two ways. You either attack or you withdraw. And so they could be one of those, and you go, oh, that poor person. But we don't see that there is a demonic force aiding and abetting the destruction, suggesting pushing, building more of a stronghold. There's another one, James and John are, are with Jesus and Jesus wants to, Samaritans won't, won't sell food to them. James and John goes, you want us to call down fire on them? We're the sons of thunder. I mean, where do you think thunder comes from? There's, we can call down lightning too, that's who we are. And Jesus says to them this amazing thing, if you go look at it, he says, you don't know what spirit you're speaking out of. Just like he says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. There's lots, lots more of that. But what I want to just say is that, so then thoughts in our mind, suggestions in our mind, when entertained, go down into the heart as seeds or like messengers. And they, they build 
when I think about it, I meditate on it, another thought, another thought, gee, isn't it interesting that circumstances and other occurrences will build on that. And pretty soon, there's something inside that becomes a strong hold. And a strong hold is a place that's been built inside of me of deception that I don't fully control. Okay? Jesus says, um, don't look upon a woman. He says, if you look upon a woman, and, and the idea is, is to look with lust, then um, it's the same as having adultery. Now, why does he say that? Because if you simply project that behavior ahead in time, it is adultery. It's inevitably adultery. It, it's, like, it's like the, and I see this all the time on the road, it, it's, like the, uh, it's like the guy on the, it's like the businessman on the road and, and he entertains the thought of an affair with a coworker, And then they're on the road a good bit. And he entertains the thought a little bit more. And then it, something happens at home. And, and then, he, then he wants to do it again. And then he does it again. And then he thinks, well, I could go to bars and pick up. And, and all of a sudden, there's this lifestyle. And then he's found out. And he loses everything. And people go, what were you thinking? He was thinking about that, and, and he built this stronghold over time, and eventually it, it started with the swimsuit edition. You know, talking about Sports Illustrated being Josh's favorite magazine. I'm sure one of those months <laughs> he takes it and just throws it away and, and goes on because he knows what God says about if we entertain thoughts. If, if I entertain, you know, it's like somebody knocks on your door and you invite them in. That's what we do. I love Germany. Um, when I lived in Germany because they have a gate and there's a doorbell at the gate and the gate is at the road and nobody gets through your gate. Right? We're going to talk just a bit of more like that. Um, it works like this. There's a little poem I, I memorized that says, if you sow a thought, you reap an act. If you sow an act, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle. If you sow a lifestyle, you reap a destiny. Thoughts lead to acts, acts lead to habits, habits lead to lifestyles, lifestyles lead to destinies. And that's what Satan is after, is, is looking for weakness in us because of wounding, because of ignorance, because of anger, because of other choices we made, and says that is exploitable in that person. That is my ticket to tear them down, and that's what's going to happen. And it happens in lots of ways. If you meditate on the evening news, you will become a fearful person. You just will. If you meditate on soap operas, you'll become a discontented person. Um, there was a woman in the news the other day. She shot her son. He came through the door and she shot him. And they said, why did you shoot him? He said, I thought he was a burglar. And it's like, he comes every Wednesday night to pick you up for church. I know. And it came out that she had been watching these crime investigation things. Just every, there's like 30 of them. My, my folks, I, I just have to make them turn off when I go see them. It's like, you're not watching that when I'm in the house. Because it just, it fills you with, with fear and suspicion. An old, grumpy, angry person didn't start that way. They started as a young person who didn't know how to deal with an offense, a set of offenses, an offensive relationship. And over time, that grew into a destiny of being that grumpy old grandpa that nobody wants to hang out with, nobody wants to be with. And it becomes sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, P. 
people don't start out discouraged but they listen to suggestions and voices of discouragement. They listen to a false interpretation of a discouraging event, and it builds a seed of discouragement inside of them, and they water that seed, they think about that seed. We all meditate on something, so they meditate on that seed. Um, Satan doesn't come and say, hi, I'm Satan. I'm here to kill, steal, destroy, deceive you, and destroy your life, because if he did, we would all run in terror from him. So he disguises himself and he's tricky. Ezekiel 18 says that he was wise when he was created. Um, he's not omniscient, that's reserved to God, but he knows how to pull our chain. Um, he's not omnipresent, but one-third of the angels at least are part of his demonic enclave, not as smart as him. Um, 2 Corinthians 11 says, for no wonder uh, Satan's servants disguise themselves as angels of light. Okay, he's, he's great at disguises. 2 Timothy 4.1 says, in the end times, there will be deceiving, released to the world, there will be deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Have you ever thought about, have you been ever taught a doctrine of demons? Would you know it if you were? I mean, I'm not saying anything about any church anywhere, but somewhere in the world, doctrines of demons are being released, and we hear them in the news and go, God, that's crazy. But where am I in this? When I, when I look, what do I know? Um, there's trials and there's temptations. So temptations are to lure us over the edge. Trials are to push us over the edge. But the result of both trials and temptations is to get us over the edge, to get us to fall over the edge. I have to keep track of my time because I don't want to get to, oh my gosh, is it really 1040? Um, let me go on. Um, let me say one more thing and then we'll turn the corner. Um, he comes, he doesn't say, um, so when I was going bald as a young man, it was, and so I would, I would hear a voice and Satan doesn't come and say, you're ugly. But he says, I'm ugly. I don't love my wife. I think I'm gonna fail. I think I'm gonna fail college. I don't think I can make it in this job. I don't have any friends. I'm lonely. So he comes in the first person singular, weaves thoughts into our thoughts, and it sounds like us. And so what, uh, what uh, God says to us in, in Proverbs 23, seven, he says, as a man acts as a gatekeeper within himself, so is he. Okay, um, it says, as a man thinks within himself, but the word there means to act as a gatekeeper. And what God says to us is, you need to act as a gatekeeper, cut it off at the pass. If a thought comes in that is not of me, you need to recognize it and stop it. Um, in, uh, 1 Corinthians, it says, it says, we're tearing down strongholds. The weapons of our warfare aren't carnal, but mighty through God for the destruction of strongholds. For we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So Paul lays out for us a process of how this works. How do we take every thought captive? Um, this is an old, old thing. In Genesis, God says to Cain, he says, um, sin is crouching at your door. 
and its desire is for you, but you must master it. He says that just before he kills Abel. He says, it, it wants you. It's after you, and you have to master it. I'm not going to do it for you. You have to master it. That is part of your kingdom, your authority over your body, your mind, your decisions, your actions. You are supposed to master it. Your heart is your garden, just like the Garden of Eden was uh, the other garden. Okay, three steps on how this works. Step number one is a strategy. So I, I have more, but it'll be in the sheet. So Satan has strategy and tactics. says we're not unaware of his devices. And then in another place it talks about there's, there's noema and another word. But, but one means methodia. One is strategy, one is tactics. God has strategy and tactics. Strategy is a long-term process. Tactics are what happens right in the midst of the temptation. Two places of strategy. Number one, appropriate by faith your liberation from the power of sin. Understand Romans 6, 7, and 8 that says, you still have the opportunity to sin, but no longer the obligation. You are a new creation. I have to start from the place that I can be free. It has been purchased. Satan's power has been broken. I have the upper hand. It's a downhill battle. It's an uphill battle for him, downhill battle for me. Okay, so, so do whatever you need to do to get that so firmly in you that, that you are not a victim of temptation. You're not a victim of trials. In fact, Satan is the one being victimized by this, in a sense, and it's a good sense for us. So that's number one, and um, I could talk forever about it, and I don't have time to talk forever about it. Colossians 2.14 said he's nailed the accusation against you to the cross. It's nailed to the cross. Satan was made a laughing stock. Number two... Satan dwells in castles of disobedience. Je Jesus said in John 14, 30, he's talking to him and he says, the evil one is coming, but he's got nothing in me. The problem is he has something in me. There are things in me that he can hook and drag. And so I know, so ask your wife, if you don't know what those are in your life, or your spouse, or some friends, but each one of us has something that God is working on for change and Satan is working on for our destruction. There's something in us that's ripe. Okay? There's something real in us. Uh, David says, search me, O God. See if there's any hurtful way in me. God searches us and Satan searches us for opposite intent. Satan goes, where is the weakness? Even when he tempted Jesus, he, he, it didn't work and he sought a more opportune time. He still was searching him, trying to find a weakness, trying to find a way. And he searches us, and when he finds it, it's exploited in us. Okay, that's, that's how we're, that we're in a warfare. We're in a battle. Weapons are, of our, we don't battle against flesh and blood, and so on. So the second thing is, um, when you're not in the heat of the battle, when you, when you can look at something logically and rationally, Make a covenant with God and with yourself that you're going to go after this thing and plan a strategy to go after it. Um, David said, um, I will walk with integrity within my house. I will let no evil thing fasten its grip on me. 
Job said, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze upon, the word means undress mentally, how then could I gaze upon a virgin? What would be my portion with God if I didn't make this covenant? Okay, so in the place where you have a weakness and you know it, then you need to build a foundation that won't get battered by the storm when the storm comes, because it will come. And that foundation looks like, what does the Word of God say? See, see Jesus taught a lot of amazing things, but when Satan come, comes at him, everything switched. And he says, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. At that point, it doesn't matter what you saw on Oprah. It doesn't matter what you read. It doesn't matter what a friend says. It doesn't matter what a preacher says. What matters is the Word of God. So I had an anger issue as a young man, and so I had to put in my heart, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, pay. And I, I laid that up in my heart, and I said, I'm ready for you now. Bring it. Because when you stir it up, I know it's ready to, to go, right? Bring it. Because Satan, you're trapped. Because you have to find stuff in me to stir up. And when you do, I get victory. So bring it. So prepare ahead of time. Don't try to lay a foundation in the middle of a storm from a rowboat. You can't do it. Most of the calls I get, it's already too late. You just got to pull them out of the water and say, let me help you. And finally, and this is the most important thing, this is the tactic. I was in jungle warfare training, and when you're in an ambush, they teach you to do three things. Automatic, no thinking, no looking around, do it. Damn it, is kind of how they would say it. Number one, you shout ambush, so everybody knows. Number two, you return fire as fast and furious as you can in the direction the shooting's coming. Don't aim, just Three, you get out of the kill zone, right? Same thing. God has given us the, that way, what to do in an ambush is James 4, 7, and 8. It says, what shall I say then? Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Submit, resist, draw near. Submit, resist, draw near. Submit, resist, draw near. When you're in, in the midst of a temptation, test, or trial, you have prepared yourself with jungle training to submit, resist, draw near. What does that look like? Submit is just a, an instant. Now here we're back in the spirit, put to, putting to death thing. Submit is an instant phone call to heaven. God help me right now, right? It's just, it's just place, it's turning to God. God help me right now. Resist, I turn right back and I say, in the name of Jesus, it is written. And you just bam, bam, bam. You are firing as fast as you can. So I would say the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Sometimes I walk through the airport and I got to keep my eyes below the level of the playing field because traveling women just dress really slinky. I don't know why. And when I see it, I look down and I begin to pray for her immediately. I begin to call out the injustice that would cause a woman to want to dress that way to get attention rather than because of who she is really. And so I'm just, Satan is really upset with me when I see that because I'm just bam, 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 bam as I'm walking. Jesus, in the name of Jesus. What is that guy doing? I don't know, but he looks mad. Um, good way to use it. And so, and so resist is you have prepared ahead of time in this area. And when it comes, you turn, you say, it is written, it is written, it is written. And furthermore, and you go and, and take it out. You go after it. Okay. 
You can do this in five seconds. I'm not saying this is a 20-minute thing. And the last thing is draw near. So you start, submit, God help me. It is written, it is written, it is written, and then I don't have any more time for you. I thank you, Lord, that I have the victory. I thank you, Lord, that I am predestined to be conformed to your image. I thank you that, that this thing is going after something that's to be super strong in my life. I thank you that that thing is going to emerge. That's who I am. That's who I really am. Okay? When you do that, when you do those three things, and I'm, I'm at the end. <clears throat> when you do those three things, these are five things that will happen. You'll learn how to do it very quickly, in two seconds. You'll begin to see permanent, permanent character change in your life permanent character change. The things that you declare become your reality because those are the things you plant in your heart and your heart is like a garden. It reproduces what you plant in it. You become what's in your heart. You will begin to expose areas where you might need inner healing ministry. Um, you will begin to experience an increased momentum in your life. It'll be like that walking sidewalk on, at the airport. You're not walking faster, but you're moving faster. Because what constraints and hindrances just are falling off of you. And all of a sudden you go, ah, things are good. I, you know, I just, I feel a closeness to God. I'm feeling this, whatever. Um, and that's the last thing is you'll begin to experience a, a, an increased intimacy. Because when you experience the Holy Spirit in the midst of that, fighting for you, you go, Because when I say, when you submit to God and you suddenly feel this surge of joy and strengthening, you, you feel the Holy Spirit going, I got this, let's go. You know, it's like, put on your holster, let's go. And you turn and you're, you're speaking the word of God. And also, sometimes I'll just get a prophetic word for the Holy Spirit. It's like, bam, bam, no, you will not. And, and God says, be angry, but don't sin. Be angry, but take out sin. And then he just turned back and said, I'm done with you. And you're just back talking with God, and, and you hear this, good job. You hear this, you know, um, here's something else you can say next time. You go, oh. Or you, you hear this, do you know why he went after that? Because of this in your life that I want to strengthen. That's why he's, he's not going after it randomly. He's going after it because he's afraid of you in this area. See, and all of a sudden, the, these, these fights, being foxhole buddies with the Holy Spirit, becomes one of the deepest places of intimacy you'll ever experience. Okay, I had to talk like a Yankee on drugs to get through all this this morning, and I'm sort of sorry for it, but not that sorry. Um, next week will be our last week. Um, bring questions or, or email questions if you want to. Um, it's going to be sort of a Q&A next week. I've always thought about this, this, this. I have a little exercise to introduce for us as well. So anyway, thank you so much. Appreciate you being here. If I don't have your email, let me know if you want to get the...